everyone, and welcome back to the Biblical Woman Podcast. I'm Kat. And I'm Nicole. And today we are going to be talking about another one of our Sola Siri episodes. Today's episode is really, I feel like it's going to wrap everything up really neatly and help you see how everything that we've talked about up until this point, how it's all been connected. So Nicole, I am super excited about this topic and you brought in another amazing, amazing guest on. Yes, I'm so excited for this Sola. I know all of the Solas, of course, are of the utmost importance and they all connect. We can't have one without the other. But this one, I'm a little partial to. It might just be my favorite. In fact, I may or may not have a Soli, Soli Deo Gloria tattoo. That just might be a thing. But today, let me introduce our guest. We have with us Pastor Kenny Lay, and he has served as the lead teaching pastor at Battleground Bible Church since 2002, which is in Battleground, Indiana. And can I just say, isn't that an awesome name for a Yes. Yes. He earned his BA at Southeastern Bible College and his MDiv at the Master Seminary. In addition to his Sunday morning pulpit ministry, he enjoys teaching the starting point membership class and an occasional New Testament Greek class. He and his wife, Stephanie, have been married since 1998 and they have been blessed with four daughters. <laughs> and two interesting facts about Kenny. He loves barbecue and his best friend is a German shepherd. Aww. So welcome, Pastor Kenny. <laughs> welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. And let me just say a few more things too. So this is kind of the personal side of it. Um, my husband and I were blessed to be a part of Battleground Bible Church from about 2007 to 2009. And we've continued to stay in contact with the Lays since then. And we try to get to Battleground a couple times a year just because we love the Lays and we love the church. We just, it was the best part of us living um, in Indiana, honestly. And I could go on about that, but Kenny, I don't even know if you know how deeply and richly you have impacted my understanding of God's word and who he is. And I just think it was at Battleground that I really came to understand in a new and deeper way, God's holiness, sovereignty, and that all is for his glory. That's why I'm just so thrilled to have you with us today as we talk about Soli Deo Gloria. Well, it is a pleasure to be here. And if that is um, the only thing that's ever said about the impact of my ministry, I would be eternally grateful. <laughs> um, I don't know how, Kat, how uh, amazing I am. And this particular topic, that might not be the best way to introduce me. <laughs> my. Well, okay. Well, let me ask you this first, before we get into Soli Deo Gloria. Since you are a girl dad, what is your best girl dad advice? Ooh. Oh, my. Okay, so here's here's what I often say uh, to most people, and that is that you know men um, see women as a mystery. You know, we we can't figure them out, and mm -hmm. we think that if we can expose ourselves to more women, that somehow we will we will know them better. But the more women you add, just the more <laughs> confused you become. So <laughs> the best thing to do is just embrace the mystery, enjoy the mystery. Um, take it as it comes. Um, you know, don't try to figure a woman out. 
I know scripture tells us to under to live with our wives in an understanding way, but that doesn't mean that we are to understand them, but to live in an understanding way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's my, <laughs> All right. that's my take on, on, but I have four beautiful daughters and they are just wonderful. Uh, Clarissa, uh, Adriana, uh, Annalise, and Margaret. We call her Maggie, beautiful girls. And I thank God every day for them. Oh, they are. They are great. And yes, so Kat, Stephanie and I were pregnant at the same time. Cal and Maggie are, I mean, really only, I don't know if it's a matter of days or just a few weeks apart. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love that advice. Embrace the mystery. Well, we've been beginning each episode with a little bit of context about the solas. And so I think we should continue that pattern today. So let's just talk a little bit about the context and the history um, surrounding this particular sola. Let's do it. (laughs) With the Reformation, we have to keep in mind that the reformers were evaluating the church. They were examining the church and they identified several problems, several key problems. They understood that the church is God-ordained. It's this great gift. And it was their love for biblical truth and for people that caused them to desire to change the church, to reform it, and to bring the gospel, to bring spiritual truth to the forefront of the church and to cleanse it to keep the five solas, the five uh, only statements that we've been talking about, keep those at the center of, of our church. And so, like Nicole said, today, we're going to be talking about sola dea gloria. It's a theological statement that I believe connects almost every theological concept together. Yeah. And like we've talked about before, well, with the episode um, with Brad, we talked about, you know, even with the sacraments that those are good things, but we cannot lean our whole weight on that. And I think in a similar way that with the church, you know, the church is a wonderful thing, right? It is the gift of God that we are the church. But the problem was that it's kind of keeping the right thinking about the church. Um, And I found a really great quote as I was researching for this episode, and it's from um, journal.rts.edu, said the problem is a church seeking glory rather than a church rightly ordered according to the word alone, where Christ the strong savior and the cross shape its ministry. So kind of bringing it back to the issue of where the glory rightfully belongs. And as we well know, it belongs to Christ and Christ alone. You're absolutely right. I think one of the the problems that we're facing today is the church all too often seeks to glorify itself, its ministries, its particular uh, ministry focus, its philosophy of ministry, even its pastor is often the uh, the focus of glory. We have to step back and and ask ourselves why do we do ministry? You know, why are we a church? What is our purpose? I like to say that that soli deo gloria is really should be the purpose clause in everything that we do. It's very important. And whether you're dealing with the church or you're even dealing with a podcast like your own, it's it's very healthy and very spiritual and 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 very biblical to ask the question, why are we doing this? You know, mm-hmm. what is our ultimate purpose? Is it to bring glory to us or is it to be, bring glory uh, to God who alone deserves that? I'm very much in agreement with that assessment that the church all too often seeks its own glory rather than the glory of God. That's something that at Battleground we've sought to really think about. 
And what that means is, is that we tend to not uh, follow the worship wars very well. <laughs> we don't know much about them. We kind of stay away from it. And we really try to focus in on the ordinary means of grace, which is the word of God and making sure that the word of God is central in our worship services, because that is what ultimately brings glory to God. Yeah. And it's amazing. Kat and I, we always talk about how there's nothing new under the sun. And you think about, you know, the Reformation was 500 years ago. And even today, as you just pointed out, this is still a central issue about keeping the focus and the glory being given to to God and not to ourselves and to ministers even within the church. So yeah, this is another reason why these solas are still so applicable, so important for us to understand in this modern day. Yes. Amen. You know, I was um, I was doing a Bible study last night um, in our Wednesday night Bible study, and we were talking about Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14. Of course, that's the passage in which Paul you know, unpacks all of the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. It's one of the most densely packed passages in all the Bible. I mean, we we sat there for um, an hour and 15 minutes and looked at every word, every clause, um, every prepositional phrase. And it just, I mean, it was like squeezing out a sponge. The more you squeeze, the more, more that came out of it. And um, But all of these spiritual blessings that God has given to us, three times Paul has said it was for the purpose of glorifying God. Mm-hmm. It's for the purpose of glorifying God. It's for the purpose of glorifying God. Every Everything that he has given to us, which is immense, has been for the purpose of glorifying him, not glorifying us. I love that. Ephesians 1 is one of my absolute favorite chapters of the Bible. I would have loved to have been there for that study. And yeah, going into chapter 2, right, about our salvation and how dead we were, which kind of leads to the second point of the Reformation and of the Sola. I think there was, within the church, there was some debate over how helpless we were in our deadness and our guilt, right? That's kind of been an ongoing controversy within Christianity, but definitely um, Soli Dio Gloria points to the fact that salvation is for the glory of God and that it is a complete work of God and not of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. When we think about, you know, being dead, that, you know, as Paul describes it in Ephesians 2, that we were, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And what that means is that we were utterly unwilling and unable to respond positively to the gospel. I describe it to our children at, at, at church and said, you know, if you have a dead person, if you tell them to get up, will they get up? And they say, no. I said, well, what if you yell really loud? Will they wake up then? No. Okay. What if you kick them or, or drag them or, you know, in some way uh, make contact with them physically? Will they wake up then? And then they get frustrated and say, no, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I say absolutely. And once you understand that, you understand why Reformation theology was so incredibly important. Um, you know, the the, the, the the solas, all the solas kind of depend upon that, you know, at least, you know, sola fide, sola fide, sola gratia, uh, solus Christus, that the, those three in particular really emphasize the fact that we brought nothing to our salvation, but our deadness. You know, mm-hmm. our inability, uh, as Luther says, the only thing I ever brought to my salvation was the sin that required it. 
that's an important point to bring up that there was nothing that we could do. And once we understand that, that it's by faith alone, through Christ, uh, through Christ alone, by grace alone, then, then and only then will we, our salvation, then bring God glory alone. Really is the glue that holds the other ones together. Yeah, I remember being in church at Battlegrounds when you were talking about this and just the illustration of like a dead man at the bottom of the sea who had drowned. And I think that was the illustration that you had used, like no amount of throwing a life raft or whatever was going to to save him. And and again, I think that just really heightened for me just God's sovereignty, just the the extent of our deadness. And using that illustration, you know, the, the reason why I use that illustration is because I remember being a, a young Christian, brand new, and, and seeing this track. And in the track, it showed this, this man drowning in the ocean. And that was supposed to be a picture of a, of a sinner, you know, drowning in his sin. And Christ is on this boat, and he throws a life raft or a life ring to the sinner. And all the sinner has to do is reach out and grab it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought to myself in my very Arminian ways, I thought, okay, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense. I, you know, I, I realized that I was drowning and, and, uh, and here's Jesus and he's wanting to help me and, and save me. And so all I have to do is reach out and grab the raft. And, but over time, as I learned what the Bible actually says about my spiritual condition before Christ, I realized, no, that's not a fitting description at all. Um, I'm not drowning. I'm already drowned. I'm I'm dead. I'm laying on the bottom of the ocean, completely unresponsive and, and dead. And Christ has to dive off the ship and he has to swim all the way down to the bottom, pick up my dead corpse that is already being eaten by various crustaceans and crabs (laughs) and all sorts of stuff. He drags me up onto the ship and he breathes into my dead corpse the breath of life, and he regenerates me, and he gives me life. I open my eyes, and I believe, <laughs> and I believe that he is my Savior. And so I think that is a much, much better um, description of what the Bible says about my spiritual condition and what it took to give me life. That's so good. And I have another um a good quote that I found, like I said, as I was researching and it's from, it sounds like a really hokey website guys. And we've probably talked about it before, but it's really fantastic. It has so many great articles. Um, it's from gotquestions.org. I highly recommend it, but I loved this statement um, about Soli Deo Gloria. It said the salvation of sinners was God's idea. The accomplishing of that salvation was God's work. The granting of that salvation is God's grace. And the fulfillment of that salvation is God's promise. From beginning to end, salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen. Nothing hokey about that, Nicole. No, no. <laughs> I remember when I first, um, I think it was when I was writing Remade. It was um, in doing, you know, some research for, for that writing. It was in a website that I came across. And like several times it would pop up for different things. And each time I was like, wow, this is really good. I'm like, it it seems like, you know, such a generic website name that wouldn't be that credible, but, um, but I I think it's great. Um, I use it for all of my, all of the TikToks that I make. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, the nice thing about that too, is usually the, the article um, that gives the answer is really an excerpt from a source and they'll put the source Mm -hmm. at the bottom. And they'll say this comes from you know some you know a certain author in his book, 
um, or her book. And so you can go and you, you know exactly where it's coming from. You know who said it. You know that it's not just some guy sitting in his mom and dad's basement writing it out. You know, I mean, it's actually from a from a reliable source. And then you can, you know, get you can acquire that source if you would like and read more about it. So mm-hmm. I, so yeah, I think GodQuestions.org is is uh, is a is a very good website. Good. That see that makes me feel even better about it. I've used it a bit <laughs> myself, to be honest. Good. Good. <laughs> But yeah, in in all of that, in that quote, you know, that I just read, um, it just shows again that salvation is of God and it is for his glory so that we we cannot boast. We have nothing to boast in whatsoever when it comes to our salvation. Yeah, I, I brought up before Ephesians uh, chapter one, you know, verses three to 14. And, and, and really, we just stop at verse 14, but you can continue um, mm-hmm. and it just unpacks all the way through the book. Um, what we've received as an expression of pure grace alone. <laughs> and uh, I mean, as you move through chapter uh, verse three, verses three through 14 of chapter one of Ephesians, you, you, you see exactly just how passive we were. We were recipients of this grace. We were recipients of all these spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. We didn't acquire them, but we received them. I think that's a really important point to bring up and because it starts off in eternity past and it brings us to, you know, where we are today presently and tells us also about what's going to happen in the end, how there will be a unification of all things in heaven and on earth. Incredible uh, passage. And it really emphasizes the fact that all of this is for the glory of God alone because he planned it. He initiated it. He, 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 um, he gave it to us. Everything is by him and him alone. And even in Revelation, I was just looking at this verse from chapter seven, um, verse 10, it talks about the multitude in heaven and how they are crying out. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne into the lamb. That's just a beautiful picture and reiteration of what you just were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, believers and even reformed um, believers, I think it's just in our nature of that pride creeps in and we have to keep that in check and remind ourselves of like, nope, my salvation is not of anything that I have done. It is not from, you know, any work that I have accomplished or, you know, anything like that, that achieves our salvation. I think that's just the pride that we have to continuously fight against. Yes. Amen. And I I think too, I was going to point out a couple of these verses just in general, not necessarily about salvation, but just in general, that Soli Deo Gloria extends to that everything declares God's glory and that all that is to happen on this earth is for his glory. Psalm 19, one, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And then Isaiah 6, 3 talks about, it says, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. That is just a theme that we see over and over again in both the old and the new Testament mm-hmm. that God's glory will be proclaimed and that all exists for his glory. As I'm thinking about, you know, the sermon I'll preach on October the 31st for our Reformation Sunday, you know, I'm going to be talking a lot about how applicable 
this doctrine is to our daily lives. It's it's not just some you know esoteric doctrine that was spun out by uh, reformed theologians. Um, it, it was something that it's something that has immense relevance to our daily lives. And the reason why is because the world never ceases to give us means and ways of glorifying ourselves. Um, social media, sports, career advancement, entrepreneurship, even ministry itself becomes a means and a way of us glorifying ourselves. Um, it's continuous. I, I've had to sit down with my daughters and explain to them you know how dangerous it how dangerous social media is. You know, not yeah. just because of the content that you see on social media, but the way in which it gives us a platform uh, to say, look at me, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I matter. And so we're re- it, it's a platform not only for self-glorification, but self-justification. And that can actually lead us to hell. So we have to be very careful and think about all of these, these, these means and ways that the world gives us. Um, to bring glory to ourselves. It's everywhere. And it's, it's very subtle. Um, Luther used a Latin phrase, incurvitus se. What that meant was, and if you think about what the Latin says there, curve is in the word there, incurvitus in se. And what it means is, is that sin, our sinful hearts have a propensity to curve everything back to us, uh, to curve everything back to us. In other words, the sinful human heart curves everything, including a doctrine like sola deo gloria, back to us so that we can actually make this wonderful doctrine that talks about um, that, that God alone deserves all glory and all honor and all praise. And we can, in our sinful hearts, turn that around and make it about us. When we ask the question, you know, how can I glorify God? Often underneath that question is, how can I be glorified? Or at least, how can I get a little of that glory for myself? Yes, yes, I'm going to glorify God, but I'm going to take a little bit of that for myself. And that is the tendency of the human heart, to always try to take everything and turn it back to us. Oh, that's such an ugly truth, but it is is absolutely the truth that we do that. And I'm so glad that you brought up about the practical application. That's where we have been ending or kind of landing at the end of these Sola episodes is, okay, in light of this doctrine, in light of these truths, how then do we live it out? How do we apply it? Well, you know, and I I brought up a couple of things, but the, the main thing, and maybe I don't know if I've ever said this when you all were here at our church, but I, I often tell our people that it is important to wake up every morning and preach the gospel to yourself. That's not original with me. It was original with someone else. I've, I've stolen it. Like I steal most everything from someone else. But um, I, uh, I I tell people that it's important. Get up at the first thing in the morning and preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself how you stand in grace. You know how you stand right with God. How did that happen? And to remind yourself daily of that. But I also think that it's important that we make sure that soli deo gloria is the purpose clause of everything we do. You know, when you think about a sentence, the way a sentence is put together, I am going to do this. Why? 
And then we usually put a purpose clause there that everything we do should be that God receives glory. And I think that's a very healthy and important thing to ask ourselves every day. Why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I sitting here uh, with the two of you on this podcast? You know, is it to bring glory to God or is it to bring glory to me? Again, my human tendency, my, 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 my sinful heart tendency is to try to somehow take this and turn it back to make it about me. And so I think it's important for us to, uh, to, to always look at why we do what we do. Now, the downside of that, and, and this is something that I tend to do quite often, is you get into the paralysis of analysis. You know, the Puritans were great about this, constantly looking at things from every direction, making sure that I'm not doing this for my glory, but I'm doing it for God's glory. And we can get into a real paralysis of analysis where we just conclude, well, I think I'm probably going to seek my glory no matter what I do. So I just don't do anything. Well, that's that's not appropriate either. But I think it is healthy for us to get into a habit of asking that question all the time and how I raise my children and how I love my wife or my husband, you know, the way I lead worship. If I'm, you know, if I'm a worship leader, I mean, that's a really big one. That's an important one. Um, Everything that I do, I mean, my my career decisions, uh, whether I seek one career over another, you know, work is a really important thing that God has given to us. Work is not second class, is not second class uh, occupation. Uh, It's a first class occupation that God has given to us, but he still gives it to us so that we might bring glory to him. Um, So it's, it's it's an incredibly practical thing to think about you know, as we, as we seek to live a way that brings glory to him and not to us. Honest evaluation of like the human experience, constantly monitoring our sinful <laughs> heart and sinful attitudes to avoid pride, but then also being careful and mindful of the paralysis of analysis, which I just love that phrasing. That can actually become a source of pride as well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You know, so the curve starts to curve in on itself, you know, over and over again. We often talk about, you know, self-righteousness, you know, that by constantly um, confessing our own self-righteousness becomes an expression of self-righteousness. We're so sinful is basically what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and, and you're like, okay, so I just, so you're, you're an awesome person now. I know that because you recognize that about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I I think we need to do an episode on social media, Nicole. Two episodes on social media, one about like how to do that with kids, but then also as adults too, we just as bad. Yeah, addressing it from this pride aspect. I think both of those would be really good episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I, I agree. Social media is it's and it's getting worse all the time. One one thing I do want to bring up, I last night as we were studying Ephesians one, I, I brought up, you know, John Milton and his Paradise Lost, where he talks about the happy fall or the fortunate fall and how God is glorified in the, the the fortunate fall, and so it's Felix Culpa is the is the Latin term, and it means happy fall or fortunate fall. 
And, um, and Milton brought this up as this way of saying that through the fall of man, we are going to receive even greater blessing than what we would have had we not fallen. So in other words, you know, the Adam and Eve, as they sinned against God, as they sought their own glory, which is in essence what they were doing, seeking their own glory, they became less by seeking more. <laughs> they became less than. And so redemption, when God promised redemption through his son Christ and his work on the cross, when he promised that redemption, the result of that redemption is not that he would bring us back to where we were, but that we would even be greater, but not to bring glory to us, but to bring glory to him. He is glorified in the glorification of his saints. So we actually are better. And if you look at uh, the, the Garden of Eden, for instance, the Garden of Eden was beautiful. Um, it was it it, ha, it was glorious because God was there and He dwelled with man. But if you fast forward to to Revelation twenty one and twenty two, we have the description of the New Jerusalem, which is very garden like. It's very much like a garden. Many of the same things that were in the original garden are there, but it's far more glorious. It's far more majestic. Um, it's, it's, it's everything that the original garden wasn't. And we are also more glorious, okay, little G, than we were before we sinned. And all of that is to redound to the glory, the ultimate glory of God. God makes us glorious to glorify himself. So this, that, that's an incredibly uh, um, a great idea to me, you know, and it's and it's and it's, it's encouraging to me uh, because we're not just these groveling worshipers, you know, that are just worthless, you know, and we just glorify Him all the time. He actually gives us value and glory. We are going to be glorified, but it's for the purpose of bringing Him glory. I love that point, and I think that we could just go on and on about that. I think, Kenny, another thing too, um, just talking about this, it reminded me of something else that I learned at Battleground, because I think a lot of times when, when people think about Christ, you know, dying for us and his sacrifice for us, the emphasis often falls on, look how much he loves me. He did that for me. He did that for me because he loves me, which is so true, but also it was for his glory. And Growing up, I don't know, like that, maybe it was preached, but that definitely, I didn't feel like was the emphasis. And I, again, I remember uh, distinctly, you know, a sermon that you had preached about that and how, like, it was for Christ to be glorified, for God to have the glory in that, along with, of course, showing us his love. So I just wanted to throw that out there too. Yeah, the cross doesn't say anything about us. It says everything about God does tell us that we were sinners right? Uh, <laughs> right. That, and we needed salvation. It does say that. It tells us a little something about the horror of sin, but the cross points to the glory of, of God. It points to his amazing grace um, that was willing to give his own son uh, to be murdered, you know, to be executed in our place. One of the things that we find in our in our culture right now is this this you know love yourself idea you know that we really need to love ourselves and 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 think highly of ourselves and again that is, and so what we do is we take that into the gospel as Luther reminds us 
you know, incurvatus and say is that we want to curve that in and make it about us. That the cross tells me that, oh, I'm so worthy to be loved. You know, the reason why God sent his son is because he loved me. No, ultimately, it's because he brought glory to himself by redeeming people through the cross. That's what it says. It doesn't say anything about my worthiness. (laughs) I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has just been a fantastic episode. I just enjoyed it so much and just so full of great truth. Again, just thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. And all right, let's close out. I I was trying to think of a good verse for us. And I just love this benediction. And I think I come back to a lot of principles that we were talking about today. And it's the, the doxology from Jude. So this is Jude verses 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. 